that bombs of unimaginable power could be made out of uranium, whose primary source was the Belgian Congo. Then Einstein returned to his dinghy, and the two Hungarians drove back to the city. Szilard worried that this would not be enough, should they not also alert President Franklin Delano Roosevelt. We did not know our way around in America, Szilard later recalled, but he knew an investment banker named Alexander Sachs, a friend of the president who did know Washington. After Szilard talked to Sachs, the banker concurred the president must be told. So two weeks later, on Sunday, July 30th, Szilard returned to Einstein's cottage. Wigner was in California, so Szilard, who did not know how to drive, turned to another Hungarian, who owned a 1935 Plymouth, a young physics professor at Columbia University named Edward Teller. Teller would later joke that he entered history as Leo Szilard's chauffeur, Together, Szilard and his bushy-browed driver extracted a second letter from Einstein. It was probably the most important letter of the 20th century. I believe the greatest scientist of the century wrote to the most important political leader of the age, It is my duty to bring to your attention that it may become possible to set up a nuclear chain reaction in a large mass of uranium, by which vast amounts of power and large quantities of new radium-like elements would be generated. Now it appears almost certain that this could be achieved in the immediate future. This new phenomenon would also lead to the construction of bombs, and it is conceivable, though much less certain, that extremely powerful bombs of a new type may thus be constructed. A single bomb of this type, carried by boat and exploded in a port, might very well destroy the whole port together with some of the surrounding territory. The United States has only very poor ores of uranium in moderate quantities. There is some good ore in Canada and the former Czechoslovakia, while the most important source of uranium is Belgian Congo. In view of this situation, you may think it desirable to have some permanent contact maintained between the administration and the group of physicists working on chain reactions in America. Emphasis added. Szilard believed that such a letter signed by none other than Albert Einstein would get immediate attention, but it did not. On September 1, 1939, when Hitler attacked Poland, Einstein's letter lay unread somewhere in FDR's inbox. Einstein's letter was finally brought directly to FDR's attention by Sachs on October 11th and began the process that would lead to the creation of the Manhattan Project, the top-secret government effort to build the atomic bomb. But Roosevelt had no idea that the letter was the work of three Hungarian refugees who were not yet American citizens. It was altogether fitting that these products of Budapest's golden age would stimulate the most momentous scientific military enterprise of the 20th century, leading to the Manhattan Project, and after that, Hiroshima. Szilard, Wigner, and Teller. These men were just part of a group of Hungarians who, after fleeing fascist Budapest in the 1920s and 1930s, brought their distinctive outlook on life, science, and culture to the United States and Western Europe, and played immensely important roles in shaping the mid-20th century world. Forced into exile by the rising tide of fascism, they would alter the way we fight and prevent wars, help shape those most modern art forms, photography and the movies, and transform the music we listen to. This is the tale of some of them, specifically four scientists, two photographers, two film directors, and a writer, who collectively helped usher in the nuclear age and the age of the computer, 
who left us some of our most beloved movies and many of the most enduring images of the violent century they navigated. The currents of 20th century history, science, culture, and politics entered them as young men in Budapest, and as they crossed borders and oceans in search of safety, they carried with them only their genius and ideas. Truly, they had magic in their pockets. Who were these men, and where did they come from? Was it simply a coincidence that they were from such a strange little country with a language incomprehensible to the rest of the world? Or was there something peculiar about that country and that city at that time that created in so many different fields so many unusual people? Leo Szilard, Edward Teller, Eugene Wigner, along with another genius from Budapest, John von Neumann, brought to America more than the physics revolution. Having saved themselves from Hitler, they were determined to alert their new nation to the mounting danger. Buffeted by every political upheaval of the century, the four scientists and the others in this narrative were in the vanguard of an early warning system. Working in vastly different fields, they tried to rouse a world still averting its gaze from the gathering storm. As the scientists pushed for the atom bomb, Arthur Kessler was writing Darkness at Noon, the first real expose of Stalinist brutality to achieve worldwide fame. Michael Curtis was making Casablanca, as much a call to anti-fascist arms as it is a romance. Robert Capa was making an immortal photographic record of the helpless victims of Generalissimo Francisco Franco's indiscriminate aerial bombs, photographs to stand alongside Pablo Picasso's Guernica in the field of art as political statement. This is the chronicle of the remarkable journey of nine men from Budapest to the New World, how they strove and what they learned along the way, and the imprint they made on America and the world. Some of the nine, Robert Kappa and Edward Teller, are famous, others less so, but of equal consequence. John von Neumann, widely believed by his contemporaries to be the smartest of them all, pioneered the electronic computer and invented game theory. André Kertes, along with Kappa and Henri Cartier-Bresson, virtually invented modern photojournalism. The names of Michael Curtis and Alexander Korda may be less well-known today, but their work is immortal. Curtis's Casablanca is the most popular romantic film of all time. Korda, whose life story is more fanciful than any Hollywood fabrication, also left enduring movies. In 1994, the New York Times called Korda's The Third Man, one of the finest films ever made, a widely held judgment. Arthur Kessler is on every list of the 20th century's greatest political writers. They had in common, first of all, a time and a place. They were members of the same generation, roughly spanning the last decade of the 19th century until the outbreak of World War I. All they would become started in the city of their birth, Budapest. They were by no means unique in Budapest in its brief golden age, gifted men and transforming figures, but these nine were but the tip of an iceberg of talent that came out of Budapest. Over a dozen Nobel Prize winners emerged from roughly the same generation of Hungarians. There is some dispute as to their numbers, 12 to 18, depending on whether one counts areas of the country the Treaty of Trianon stripped away in 1920. Among them are Girj de Hevesi, Janos Poljani, and Girj Ola, awarded Nobel Prizes in Chemistry. 
Albert St. Girgi and Girj von Bekeshi awarded Nobel Prizes in Medicine, Danish Gabor and Philippe Linard, who joined Eugene Wigner in winning the Physics Nobel, and in Economics, Janusz Harshanyi, who won a Nobel for his work in Game Theory, the field pioneered by von Neumann, whose early death probably denied him his own Nobel. There were others, not all of them Nobel laureates. Marcel Breuer designed his famous chair and other Bauhaus masterpieces, as well as the Whitney Museum in New York. Bella Bartok's disturbing harmonies started in Budapest and reached the world. For decades, Bartok's students, as well as other products of Budapest's Franz Liszt Academy, among them Fritz Reiner, George Sell, Eugene Ormandy, Georg Scholte, and Antal Durati, created the sound of the world's great orchestras. Of course, many other places have spurred such creative energy. Athens, Rome, Florence, Amsterdam, Paris, London, Edinburgh, New York have all had their day, some more than once. In each case, a certain set of unique circumstances combined to create a moment of special creativity. But what makes this moment dramatically different is that the geniuses of Budapest had to leave their homeland to achieve greatness. One can only wonder how much more potential was trapped inside the city as its brief moment of magic and opportunity turned into a fascist hell in 1944. But before all that, before Admiral Nicholas Horty, Europe's first proto-fascist, before Adolf Hitler and Adolf Eichmann, before the communist leader Béla Kuhn, Budapest between 1890 and 1918 was relatively secure, tolerant of new people and ideas, and bursting with civic pride. It was also a secular city. It is